Welcome to Former Adventist Podcast. Grab a cup of coffee and join Colleen Tinker and Nikki Stevenson as they discuss their life after Adventism. Welcome to Former Adventist Podcast. I'm Nikki Stevenson. And I'm Colleen Tinker. Today we're going to finish up the account of Daniel in the lion's den. And I have to ask Colleen, as we've gone through this chapter, I've had the phrase, dare to be a Daniel in my head. Me too. (laughs) And I want to know, when you were an Adventist, why did you think Daniel was spared from the lions? Because he worshiped God. Because he didn't worship Darius. It never dawned on me, really, that this was entirely the work of God and God's grace towards Daniel. I thought of it as Daniel basically demonstrating his worthiness to be spared. God, of course, needed to spare him because he'd gone public and risked his life to worship God. So, of course, God was sort of bound to save him. That's interesting. I think I would have explained it that way as well. There, There's this, I thought of, this economy with God where if you do what you're supposed to do, then He is supposed to come in and do these other things too. It's a give right. and take kind of thing. And I definitely believed that He was spared because He obeyed. Yeah. I never had an understanding or a sense that God was sovereignly revealing Himself to Gentile nations and kings. I never thought of that. That he had this eternal purpose in it. That this was all a part of the plan. No, I didn't have that in my mind at all. Not even close. It was all about Daniel, and Daniel was good, and God honored him because he was good. It wasn't about God revealing himself. So, Nikki, would you read this last part of Daniel 6 for us? 16 to 28. Okay. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Then the king arose at dawn, at the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also toward you, O king. I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. The king then gave orders, and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, and they cast them, their children, and their wives into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land. May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. 
for he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. What a story. <laughs> it reminds me of the children's stories in Adventist churches when I was little. You know, there'd be a story and it was all about being good and God taking care of you if you're good. And then I can just see this, you know, the the, the children and the parents are all eaten by the lions. Okay, children, go back to your seats. <laughs> yeah. When I read that, I thought, mm, that wasn't in the children's story. <laughs> I actually hadn't remembered that detail. <laughs> well, so we we come back to verse 16 here, where we left poor King Darius trapped by his own ego in a law he wrote in a system where he can't backtrack. And these exulting satraps who figure they've got him where they want him, mm-hmm. and they've got Daniel where they want him. So what does Darius have to do? Well, now he has to go and put Daniel in the lion's den. And, you know, in the previous podcast we recorded, we saw that he didn't want to do that. He had spent all afternoon exerting himself to rescue Daniel. He had to be reminded, you can't do anything, King. So against his own will, his own desire, he had to give those orders. I can't even imagine the internal agony poor Darius felt. I mean, I actually feel a little sorry for him, but God was using this to reveal himself to Darius too. Isn't it interesting that God is in the business of redeeming? And I do find it very interesting. Again, in the last chapter where Belshazzar has his feast and has the judgment from God written on the wall and he loses his life, in that account, God was not warning Belshazzar because Belshazzar knew Belshazzar knew Nebuchadnezzar. He knew the story. He knew who Daniel's God was. He knew and he rejected him and dishonored him by bringing in those vessels to have the orgy for the pagan gods. But in this case, Darius knows that Daniel is different. He knows he has a different spirit. He recognizes and honors Daniel for that. And now he has to put his best man in the lion's den because he himself allowed himself to be entrapped. And I'm sure Darius realized that, that he was actually having to play this out because he had done something based on ego without wisdom. His words to Daniel were so interesting to me, given the nature of his decree that got them in this situation to begin with. Nobody was to petition another God or another man for help. But he spoke to Daniel a statement of almost faith. He says, your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. Those are prophetic words. Yes. That was incredible to see. He knew Daniel was faithful to his God. He knew that. And he had to know that that was part of what drove Daniel's character and integrity and trustworthiness. I thought of that too, Nikki. I think it's really quite remarkable because again, Daniel was about 80 years old here, approximately. And Daniel's reputation And God's reputation preceded him. And Darius knew, I mean, Darius was new to the kingdom. You know, this was a new empire. But Daniel somehow was known to him. And Daniel had been a faithful witness of the Almighty God for over 70 years in two pagan kingdoms. 
And here he is at the end of his life, witnessing the same way to a new king in a new empire as he had to Nebuchadnezzar all those years before. (laughs) And Darius knew this man was different. So what did they do? Well, they bring a stone and they lay it over the mouth of the den and then they sealed it with their signet rings, the kings and the rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. And that made it very clear that Daniel's preservation was an act of God. Absolutely. I somehow thought about, I know the circumstances are different, but I thought about the stone in front of Jesus's tomb when I read this verse and how Pilate reluctantly gave the Jewish leaders permission to take a stone, take a guard, and seal the stone. (laughs) And and, um, the point of the seals, the signet rings, was so that if that seal was broken, it would be evident that somebody had tampered. So, in this case, Darius and all those nobles put their signet rings, the seals of their rings, on this stone so it would be clear nobody can move the stone. And you're right. This means if anything happens, it's not them, it's God. Mm -hmm. So, the next verse tells us what Darius did after the stone went in place. Talk to us about that. Well, he went to his palace and he spent the night fasting. He wouldn't let any entertainment come to him and he couldn't sleep. He was very disturbed. He was very upset. You know, I think about what must have been actually going on. I mean, we know from the account, from the story of Daniel, that he knew his God and he trusted his God and he knew that God could shut those lions' mouths or not. You know, whichever way it went, he was going to be okay because he knew his God and his God would take care of him. And the king is terrified. You know, he's terrified. He's losing his best man. But not only that, he suddenly realizes he was surrounded by completely hostile people. There was nobody there who was looking out for him. Only Daniel really cared. He might have been in more danger than Daniel. You know, I know we can't prove anything, but I'm curious, what do you think about his fasting? Do you think that was a petition? It's possible. We don't know. It's possible it was just that he was so anxious he couldn't eat, but it could have been. It could have been a petition, but at any rate, he couldn't do anything, and he knew everybody around him was ready to pounce, and they were ready to pounce on him if he did anything they didn't like. Yeah. He was in danger. Probably the only person in the kingdom that night who was at peace was Daniel, and he was down with the lions. (laughs) So what what happened in the morning? Well, at the break of day, the king went in haste to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, you could hear it in his voice. Yeah, He cried out to Daniel with a troubled voice. And he said, Daniel, servant of the living God. That's a statement of faith right Isn't there. Isn't that interesting? Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions. So he knows that Daniel's God is the living God, but he doesn't know him enough to know he's able to do anything he wants to do. Right. (laughs) Could he do even that? Yeah. (laughs) It it is interesting to me that he uses that word, the living God, too, Mm -hmm. because for some reason my mind went to the letters to the churches in the first two and a half chapters of Revelation. And in some of those letters... Jesus reveals himself to the church as the living God. And 
I just find that interesting because even here, Darius, this pagan king, knew that Daniel's God was living. Those pagan gods were dead. He knew that this was the, not a, the living God. The living God we serve today as well. I found Daniel's response interesting. It it was the same as, and I I know that the flatterers used this phrasing as well, but Daniel uses it only when he respects the king. Remember, he didn't use this with Belshazzar. That's true. He said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And I love this. And also toward you, O king. I have committed no crime. God made clear to Daniel that even though he broke the law of the Medes and Persians, he committed no crime. He was innocent before God. That really struck me too, Nikki, and I thought it was really interesting that he included the fact that he had committed no crime against Darius. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what the law of the Medes and Persians says, and the fact that you know, Darius actually sort of put himself in that corner Mm -hmm. made no difference. Daniel honored Darius as the king, not as God. And that was legitimate. That was not a crime. And no human government can decide what right and wrong is. Only God determines right and wrong, justice and injustice. And I love the fact that Daniel's name means God is my judge. And here at the end of his life, he has been counted innocent. Oh, Nikki, that's really, really wonderful. And here at the end of his life, he's being called Daniel, too. Yeah. He's not being called Belteshazzar anymore. No. So Daniel's lion's den experience actually ended up exposing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. It exposed the illegitimate use of power that those satraps used that ended up punishing the loyal and coercing the fearful. It's just kind of fascinating to me that because Daniel was faithful to God, the malintentions of those satraps was exposed. God allowed Daniel to play out the full effect of this law that Darius misguidedly put into place. So, this whole thing exposed Darius's weakness, the foolishness of his ego. It exposed the cunning, conniving, murderous intentions of all of these people that manipulated Darius, and it exposed God's ultimate sovereign power. I just find that fascinating. And, you know, it seems to also expose Darius's trust in Daniel's God. True. Because as soon as Daniel tells Darius that his God has counted him innocent, even toward the king, now he acts against all of those satraps who entrapped both of them. Yes, Yes, both of them. It it seems to be coming from trusting what Daniel said, that he had been innocent before him. What law in Mm Medo-Persia could justify him doing what he does next? Exactly. But God's pronouncement of Daniel as innocent would. That's true, because what he does next is not part of the law of the Medes and Persians. It goes against the law. So what does he do? Well, he gave orders and had those men and their wives and their children thrown into the den. Now, according to the text note in my NASB study Bible, that was a Persian custom. And I'm thinking, yikes. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> if I were a criminal in Medo-Persia, my entire family would be subject to capital punishment if I were caught, and not a very quick and easy, you know, this isn't like being shot in the head. This would be a very conscious, painful death. How do we know that the lions weren't just, you know, satisfied and didn't eat Daniel because they'd had enough? <laughs> well, before they ever reached the bottom, they had crushed the bones of all of these people that the king had thrown in the den. And they took the punishment that they sought to give to Daniel. Truly, justice was done. I appreciated what Wearsby pointed out when he talked about how God will often punish those who plot against his people with the very crimes they sought to give to to them. He said, Pharaoh ordered the Hebrew male babies destroyed in Egypt, and at Passover, all the Egyptian firstborn died. Wow. He commanded the newborn Jewish babies to be drowned in the Nile River, and his own army was drowned in the Red Sea. Wow. Haman tried to destroy the Jewish nation and ended up being hanged on the gallows he had made for Mordecai. Even if sinners aren't judged in this present life, they will be judged after they die, and the judgment will be just. That's really a profound quote. You know, Daniel, living all these years before the cross, but being God's man in a pagan nation, faithful to God, and God was faithful to him, because God cannot deny himself, Daniel ultimately is saved by faith. <laughs> he had faith in his God. And it's so interesting that in Hebrews 11, there's a reference it has to be to Daniel. Um, Hebrews eleven thirty two to 34 says this, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. So way in the future, Hebrews 11, we have a reference back to this faith of Daniel, and he was saved by faith. Absolutely. In verse 23 of this chapter in Daniel, it says that Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. It doesn't say because he had been faithful, right? It says because he had trusted in his God. Wow. This chapter ends with Darius doing something very similar to what Nebuchadnezzar did. What does he do? <laughs> well, he writes a decree to all the people, nations, and men of every language who are living in all the land. And I love he starts just like Nebuchadnezzar did. He blesses them with peace. May your peace abound. And then he speaks words that I can only understand is coming from the Holy Spirit. He said, I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. That is amazing. It is amazing. And I think about all of these people from all of these lands and all of these languages. Do you think any of them were going, who's Daniel? Or do you think they all knew? Because Nebuchadnezzar had sent out a decree all those years prior. Well, it certainly suggests to me that people had heard of him. I mean, I can't prove that. But 
whatever the case, we have him in God's eternal word here. <laughs> yeah. And we do know who he was. <laughs> and it says at the end of the chapter, Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So we don't know the exact year that Daniel died, but we do know that he lived into the time of Cyrus. And Cyrus, we know, is the king who ended the exile, who gave permission to the Israelites to go back to Judah, and ultimately he helped fund them and protected them with military power and might, and helped them rebuild the temple that way. So Daniel served the Lord and served the empires of two pagan nations, Babylon into Medo-Persia, and Daniel remains as a faithful servant of God. But more than anything, we see God's faithfulness to himself and to his people, because he fulfilled his promises in Daniel and through Daniel's life and brought pagan kings to faith. And I think Darius believed. I absolutely do too. Won't it be fun to meet him? Yeah. And Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> I know. I know. What was that like? <laughs> so it was God who revealed his faithfulness and his power. It wasn't Daniel who revealed faith and power. It was God. He showed Darius as he had shown Nebuchadnezzar who he is. It was God who exposed the evil of the satanic plot to destroy Daniel. He protected Daniel from the unprotectable danger of the lion's den. I mean, there was no way out of that, and there was no way to control those lions, but God did. God revealed himself to ancient Babylon through the raging narcissistic king Nebuchadnezzar who had come to trust the God of the Hebrews, and now he reveals himself to Darius the Mede. And also, through Daniel and the reputation of Daniel's God, he reveals himself to Cyrus as well. As we finish this historic part of the book of Daniel, I just want to remind you all that the same God is the God who calls us to himself today. This is the God. The God who shut those lions' mouths is the God who sent Jesus, the Son of God, to this earth in a human body to take human sin, to pay for it in his death and burial, and to break the curse of sin in his resurrection on the third day. This God is the only God that it's safe to trust because He is the living God. And He's asking you today, if you haven't, to place your trust in Him and to know the certainty of eternal life through the blood of His Son. Join us next week as we begin examining chapter 7. We're going to go back in time during the year of Belshazzar as king, and we're going to read about Daniel's vision of the four beasts. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Former Adventist Podcast. You may email us at formeradventist at gmail.com. Former Adventist Podcast is a ministry of Life Assurance Ministries. For more information, weekly articles, videos, and a donation link, go to our website at proclamationmagazine.com.